Welcome to the Property Voice Podcast, helping you to navigate safely through the world of property investing. Get the lowdown and updates, insights and outcomes on all matters property with a splash of entertainment along the way. The Property Voice, a voice to trust among the crowd. Now, let's get started with your host, Richard Brown. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Property Voice podcast. My name is Richard Brown and as always it's a pleasure to have you join me again on the show today. It's been a while since I covered this topic but it's one that many people are interested in hearing about, funding joint ventures in property. So today I thought I would share the big six things that need to be considered in any JV pitch and especially any JV discussion. Then we'll talk, sorry, then we'll take a look at the iceberg effect of what is going on both above and beneath the surface as we delve into the three P's of psychology, positioning, and perception in joint venture discussions. I intend to tread a neutral path looking at funding joint venture ventures both from the funding provider and funding recipient perspective. So let's go now then. Okay, so let's get on with this week's featured topic with Property Chatter. Raising funds for our property investment and development activities is a skill set that we need to hone if we're to scale and so reach our full potential. When looking at buy-to-let mortgages, bridging finance and development finance, from institutions in particular, we do also need to ensure that we present our property financing business case professionally. Often enlisting the support of a decent broker that specializes in that area can help with that. However, if we want to raise larger amounts of funding than we currently have the capacity to to do, or if we want to undertake bigger projects, or if we want to scale our property business, then considering a funding joint venture partnership might be one of the possibilities to consider. Before the episode or before recording, I was totting up some of the JV and private financing that I've managed to raise, and it's well over £3 million in funds raised to date. Most of it actually has been over the last year or two, and there's a couple of projects still in transit currently, which is going to add to that number um, considerably. I would say, therefore, that JVs have been something of a game changer for me as I've moved from sequential single unit property flips or BRR projects into some larger projects. And this has involved multiple unit conversion and development projects to climb up the property food chain. But equally, I can now also run several smaller projects concurrently to increase my deal velocity or to pedal faster, for want of a better description. And this has enabled me to do more with less, more quickly. And this is another example of leverage in property. Of course, there are two sides to the JV coin when it comes to funding. The provider uh, of the funds and the recipient of those funds. And today I plan to plot a neutral path which allows both JV funding providers and also JV funding recipients to take something away. Before diving too deeply into the detailed content, 
I just wanted to flag a couple of older episodes that you might also find useful to accompany this one. And uh, the first one was how JVs can propel your property business. And the second one was typical JV investor returns. Of course, JV joint venture is uh, what I'm referring to there. Sorry to slip into some lingo. And I've placed the links to these other episodes in the show notes to help you out and to avoid me perhaps repeating all of that in this particular episode as well. Okay then, so there are six main aspects to consider when it comes to joint venture funding. I'm not sure. I'm sure there's more to talk about, but I find there's usually six main areas that we we really you know talk about when it comes to a pitch or a JV discussion. The first one um, is the JV partners, the joint venture partners, and from the funding recipient's point of view, it's who are they, what are their values. What is their reputation and track record and experience? What is their standing? These are the important factors that we need to consider in terms of how we may be positioning ourselves as the funding recipient, but equally how that provider might be viewing us as well. That's going to be a consistent theme, how we're viewed as well as how we portray ourselves. And then, of course, there's the provider of the funding. What is their character? What are their values? What access to funds do they have? Can they, can they back it up with proof of funds? What is their risk appetite or risk tolerance? What is their own personal experience? And what level of involvement do they want out of the project? You see, it's all about aligning. You don't just take money from people is what I'm trying to say. You align to people that you connect with in the right way, in the most appropriate way. The, you know, one thing, I'll perhaps preempt some of the conclusion here, but you know, we need to make sure that we're working with the right people and we're matching the right people onto the right projects as well. So there's there's quite a lot that needs to be understood about one another before we go too far. The second main area is the project. Now, what's its viability? What are the comparable and an underlying evidence that supports the, the, the valuations that are involved, for example? What is the business plan or the business case? What are the alternatives in terms of exit? There might only be one exit, well, that might be quite high risk, but maybe there's a couple of alternative exits, which, of course, can diminish the risk. What are the contingency plans in, thing, in case things don't go to, go to plan? And so on. But it's also important to ensure that the project suits both parties, as I've been alluding to. For example, the promise of a high reward to a JV funding partner who has a low risk tolerance when they could also risk the loss of capital is perhaps not a suitable project to consider or even to pitch to that person. But perhaps for a higher risk investor, where the funds represent maybe a modest percentage of their net worth, it might be worth the potential risk. So you'll hear a lot about trade-offs as we talk. But it's, it is about pitching the right project to the right investment partner. Then the third area is the commercial arrangements. What are the timings involved? What are the numbers? You better know your numbers. <laughs> what are the risks? What, you know, uh, what, what are the sort of profit shares or percentage returns that are going to be available? Or at least consider what those things could be. I'm not saying you need to be prescriptive and go out and saying, I have X and I'm off prepared to offer, only prepared to offer Y. I think what you find is in these sort of discussions, it's usually a little bit of talking and maybe a bit of give and take. 
um, you know, that's maybe required, but know what your tolerances are, know what the range is. Some investors and developers uh, prefer, sorry, prefer certainty. And so maybe a fixed rate return could work best in that situation. Whereas other joint venture partners might prefer the potential of larger gain, gains, and especially gains that can come through further leveraging and, you know, perhaps um, a little bit more risk weighting in the, pro- in the project. But with the risk of sharing lower returns also comes the, um, sorry, what I'm trying to say there is that there may be a um, potential to share in higher rewards, but equally the potential to share in lower rewards or even a loss on occasion as well. Ooh, yeah, I said that. So, um, you know, just be careful what you're going into. There's not always a, a you know, cast iron guarantee of a profit. There's not always a, always a cast iron guarantee of retaining all your capital as well in some instances. People seem to lose sight of that sometimes. So, you know, sometimes a, a risk, uh, sorry, a fixed rate might work well and other times it, a profit share may work well and it kind of depends on uh, the the uh, the suitability of both parties, the requirements of both parties. The fourth point is legal and other the other written basis of the agreement. So fundamentally, it could be a loan agreement, a joint venture agreement, a declaration of trust, um, but also subtle things like what is um, what are the buyout provisions, uh, what sort of time scale are those triggered in. Uh, what happens in the case of deadlock? Do, if both, if there's two parties and there's a 50-50 waiting in decision-making, who decides if you can't agree? These are important considerations that you need to work out and, um, and have documented. And I do, do stress that you document your joint venture agreement. Uh, if there's one thing to take away from this whole discussion, is put it in writing. <laughs> but it's also important to consider the legal side of pitching joint ventures as well. There are some rules and restrictions around this type of commercial arrangement. And so it's advisable to understand what these are before pitching a profit share arrangement in particular to someone you just met at a networking event. You need to understand things like know your client or KYC, anti-money laundering or AML, and the difference between retail investors and either sophisticated high net worth or business investors. And there's some possible differences when it comes to dealing with friends and family, which might make things more flexible there. So in short, we can't just pitch a profit sharing JV project with just anyone, and least of all, anyone we've just met. And, uh, and perhaps nor should we anyway. This is my point, really. This is, you know, this is the fourth point we're talking about, the commercial arrangements. There's a few before the fourth point. And this is why getting to know one another is indeed the first step. Number five, security and or protection. Well, security can come in a number of ways. It could be a formal legal charge. It could be a first charge. It could be a second charge. It could come in the form of personal guarantees. So you might get that if you're dealing with the individual directly. But if you're dealing with a company, perhaps you might need to look beyond the company and take personal guarantees of the directors or shareholders. What sort of loan to value are you comfortable with? I've done joint venture arrangements where I've, um, you know, taken on board um, a standard, you know, loan to value of a property value and nothing more. But I've also done joint ventures where I've done what's called development finance and gone above the value of the initial property value because the partner I'm dealing with is sophisticated enough to understand that for every pound I spend on the property adds further to the value of that property within reason. 
There could also be restrictions on title, notification of changes, uh, land registry, and, and other mechanisms that we could build in to give us alerts uh, or security and protection in our arrangements. But note, there's usually a risk-reward trade-off that's taking place here. Higher rewards often come with lower security and vice versa. So you can't have it all. <laughs> well, you might want it all, but you can't usually have it all uh, because there, are, there is competition, frankly. There's, um, you can get uh, secured lending in a lot of places. So usually people go to uh, joint venture funders if they're getting something extra is what I'm really trying to say. And finally, number six, um, the advisors that are in, uh, involved. This could be people like solicitors and accountants, but it could also be experienced consultant advisors who, uh, who know their way around how to navigate joint ventures. Uh, that could be experienced investors, for example, or, or even developers themselves. But any joint venture funding discussion or pitch should address all of these six points. That's my biggest uh, point, really. Uh, and, and possibly in sequence. But what we find is people are different. So there are, you know, some people might just dive straight into the, into the commercials, for example, or the security even, uh, depending on their, their risk profile. Uh, you often, you know, that's a good way of detecting actually, what security do I have available? If that's one of the first questions out of the gate, you kind of know the risk appetite of the investor that you're talking, uh, dealing with. But if it's a case of uh, getting to know one another and you know, starting to form a relationship and understanding how you tick before you get to that, far, that part of it, you can understand there's other things perhaps that are more important maybe, uh, or as important, probably a better way of putting it. Okay, there's, there's also what's called an iceberg effect going, in, going on here, which I kind of alluded to in the introduction. And first there's what is above the surface, which is pretty much what I've summarized already now. So that's what I've summarized earlier. Then there's what goes on below the surface, which often goes unseen or even unsaid. And, and that's more about the psychology, positioning and perception than anything else, the three Ps that I alluded to earlier. Well, I can't really tackle all of this here in great depth, but I'm gonna give you a bit of a steer as follows. So first of all, psychology. I'm gonna do this by maybe posing some questions rather than sort of lecturing. So consider these different perspectives. Do we believe we will raise funds for our investment or development opportunity? So obviously I'm pitching that you know, primarily from the point of view as the funding recipient, but equally the funding provider will be asking that question in reverse. Does this person believe or perhaps deserve to have the funds for their investment opportunity? Do we understand that we have a lot to offer the potential joint venture partner? Again, from the recipient point of view, we're offering, you know, what are we offering them? It's a lot, isn't it? Surely. But from the provider point of view, do they believe they've got the, the strength, if you like? Well, I've got all the money. I want to tell you something, that money isn't everything, uh, by the way, in, in a partnership. There are, there's definitely other things that come into bear. There's experience, there's contact, there's the contacts rather, there's know-how. <clears throat> there's a lot of different resources the other partner can bring to bear, which has a value. And I would say maybe even a higher value than pure money itself. But I'm not suggesting there's an unequal balance. I'm just saying that there is a, a balance. Do we genuinely have the values where we would place the funding partner's interest at least the same as ours? And that's known as uh, safe endeavors. 
in a, uh, from a legal point of view. If you ever see that in a legal contract, same endeavours, it means exactly that. You place the other party's uh, interests on the same level as if it's your own. So you do nothing more and nothing less than you would do for yourself. That's what it means. But an alternative is, uh, is maybe to place other person's interests above our own. And that's what's known legally as best endeavours. And if you see best endeavours written in a legal contract, it actually means you put the other party's interests ahead of your own. You, you prioritise their interests, you put them first uh, in terms of making, share, uh, making sure they get the money back, for example. So um, some of this may not need to be written legally. A lot of it can be going back to what I said about your values. What are the person's values that you're, you're, you're dealing with here? And these are just questions that can help us to understand what goes on in our mind, but also in the mind of the JV partner to help us have the right attitude, approach and mindset. Next up is uh, positioning. And um, some additional questions to consider here are um, building on the psychological element. Are we approaching things as someone desperately looking for funding or of someone with a great opportunity to get involved with? How we you know, believe and perceive ourselves will come out, is what I'm saying. Psychology is very powerful. Do we ask for money or do we share our journey and project stories instead, which might attract offers for people to get involved in our, in our projects as an alternative? So there's a difference. Are we going out and asking for money or are we telling stories and you know sharing our experiences, in which case perhaps attracting money? Can be very different. Do we seek to understand the other person before trying to be understood or even push something on them? Uh, Stephen Covey would teach us, um, you know, in the, the Habits of Highly Successful People. And these are just some of the examples of how to position, how we talk to people, but also how they might view us. I keep talking about this, don't I? About how we can position ourselves, but equally what's going on beneath the surface of how that other person perceives us. Which kind of neatly leads me on to perception, the third P. Once again, we're building on the previous two points. So consider these points. Are we another development newbie, fresh out of a property training program or mentorship looking for money? Or are we a professional developer with a great investment opportunity, with a limited in, uh, opportunity to get involved? Now, some of this might be perception. Some of this might be reality. Um, and I guess, you know, how we present ourselves could help to color that picture. But equally, from the other person's point of view, they'll be trying to figure it out. Are you a, are you a newbie who's trying to sort of blag me here? Or have you been around the block if, uh, a couple of times? As I mentioned, it's all about how we're being viewed by the counterparty uh, to the conversation. And so it's the result, really, of the first two points. And if you're an investor or developer that has previously sought joint venture investment funding, perhaps with mixed results, then I might suggest that you go back and you ask some of the people that you spoke to before um, and previously connected with to give you some honest feedback in how you came across to them. Just, you know, don't be afraid. Don't be defensive, whatever you do. Do not go in there and try and argue. Just listen, zip it, zip the mouth, but ask the question, how did I come across? What could I have done differently? Is there anything that would have changed your mind? Um, 
but and you know don't be defensive and equally don't necessarily try and hit them up for for more, for money if they sort of open the door a bit but it's not only valuable for us to learn from this but it also places us in a humble and vulnerable position and we might even be quite surprised at the results let's just say that so don't go into that initial conversation expecting you know a massive turnaround but you never know so joint venture partners operate in different ways and there's usually someone for everyone, just like there is in dating. I don't know what that, why that came into my mind just then. I'm not on the dating circuit, but it did. But there's someone for everyone. And some people actually like to work with the newbie, as long as they are maybe a grafter. And obviously, they're trustworthy. Whereas others might want to make sure that they're working with someone that has a decent track record. Uh, but can fully securitize their position strongly as well. Others still are looking for high returns and can tolerate a little more risk and uncertainty to trade off against in return. Um, it's, it's difficult to have it all though, so keep that in mind. Just as a bit of a byproduct there, I did have a conversation with someone who has strong connections into footballers, professional footballers. And um, I did actually have a fairly, what I thought was a fairly tasty development project conversion and development project which had returns of you know in the 40s 40 percent and they turned around to me said it's not enough we've been offered 67 i think it was 67 percent by someone else to go elsewhere and i'm just thinking thinking that was their share by the way 67 percent and i'm thinking okay well maybe if i'm a professional footballer and uh, i've got some spare change which i can afford to lose maybe i'll throw it in the direction of that project but uh, if you look, if you listen to the um, the sort of typical investor returns, joint venture investor returns podcast, you'll understand that that's a little bit out there. I'm not saying it's ever, never, ever uh, impossible to get that sort of return, but it's you know it's kind of a one in a million. You know, it really isn't that many that get that, and I defy people to tell me that they they achieve those sort of returns on a very consistent basis. I'm sure that maybe I'll get people contact me and say I do it all the time. Yeah. Just leave it at that. But the main takeaway uh, from all of this, uh, as I just sort of went off on a bit of a tangent there, the main takeaway from all this is to understand ourselves, really, and what our core values are, and then to showcase these, but equally to understand what the other party is looking for, in fact, who they are, who they are, first of all, and then what they're looking for, and then to try and provide that as far as we possibly can within our own limitations. So, of course, you know, I'm not saying that we just give them everything they want uh, or if you're the, the provider, you just take everything. You know, I'm, I'm going to come to that in a second, actually. Uh, but, you know, I think there needs to be a matching that takes place here. There's a few people I've uh, perhaps spoken to who I haven't proceeded with and maybe there's probably a few people who decided not to proceed with me as well when it comes to this type of thing. And that's okay because it is a case of finding the right partnerships and that suits, suits you, uh, suits all the parties. But be professional or business-like in your approach. So um, I think that's a, I chose the word professional and then I've kind of also added the word business-like. Um, not everyone is, is like the white collar, you know, pinstripe suit professional. I get that. And, you know, I think there's a lot to be said about just natural people, um, you know, who, who just do things, you know. But I am suggesting that you are businesslike in the way you conduct yourself. You've got your strong values. You do talk things through. I do I do strongly believe that you should document things as well. So that's what I mean by, by being businesslike. 
what, have you considered everything? Have you talked about the contingencies and the backup plans and the alternatives exits? Have you really thought through the viability of your product? That's what a uh, product, a project. That's what I mean, really. So uh, I'm not suggesting that you have to sort of go to Harvard and get an MBA. I am just suggesting that you do things, you know, on a, on a sort of decent way, in a decent way. Because remember, you're dealing with somebody else's money here. But equally from the uh, provider point, funding provider point of view, um, don't be so hung up. You know, there's different strokes for different folks. People operate in different ways. So what suits, you know, one person might not suit the other person. But find your match, find your niche. But do always put your best foot forward. So that means present yourself in the best possible light. Don't lie or bullshit. Put your best foot forward. So um, and be prepared to answer some tough questions along the way. But I would say this, most of all, regardless of who you are on which side of the fence, whether you're a provider of funds or recipient of funds, always be yourself. And don't try and pretend to be something you're not. Um, because, as they say, like attracts like, after all. And now, where you can go for more great resources with a shout out. Okay, so we've been talking obviously a lot about the joint venture um, you know, stuff there, the main of the, the six big things and also the three P's. But before I leave today, uh, I just wanted to provide a bit of a link back to last week's show. And um, do you remember me talking about the book Give and Take by Adam Grant? Well, I've spoken to a few people about the book actually, funnily enough, this week. It's kind of interesting, hasn't it? Isn't it how those things uh, unfold? But in the book, um, Adam described people as givers, takers, and matchers along with one distinction, which was the faker, which is basically a taker disguised as a giver. Now, consider some of the following encounters I had just in the last week. So literally since releasing that podcast uh, recording. The, uh, for example, the life coach that gave her time on a pro bono basis, which means free of charge, to uh, help a young man change jobs and then referred that person to me for us to, that's the young man and myself, to potentially work with together uh, around their property goals. What do you make of that? How about the person that thanked me for all the free content that I provide? Actually, quite a few people did that over this last week, to be fair, which I'm really you know, grateful for. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. But to the one in particular that offered to take me on a wine tour around their family vineyard because they spotted that I like uh, the odd tipple. <laughs> it's Chianti keeping me company this week, by the way. <laughs> or what about the two people that unsubscribed from my mailing list? When I changed tack from my usual of simply announcing more free resources to asking for contributions to support an article that I'm writing, which, by the way, is going to benefit everyone in the community. Um, but one of these people was on my mailing list for six months. The other person for 18 months, and in that particular case, had clicked on at least half of the links to podcast episodes during that time. Go figure. As it happens, I routinely remove people from my mailing list if they do not regularly engage with my emails. So unscribes are quite rare these days. So I was a bit surprised when maybe I asked for something to receive those uh, unsubscribe requests. But as I say, you know, go figure. <laughs> And finally, to Adam Grant himself, who, who liked my tweet where I talked about his book uh, from last week. And I didn't even tag him. 
So um, that was really nice, actually, to get him at least acknowledge that I was talking about his book. A retweet w- would have been really nice, though, Adam, if you don't mind. But <laughs> there you go. It was nice. It was nice to acknowledge the fact that I'd uh, called out the book and how it helped me. So um, I do actually appreciate that. I'm only joking. Anyway, the point is, it's been really helpful to me to see people in different light. And if you're a giver or a matcher, welcome. You're my kind of people. But if you're a taker, maybe you want to redeem yourself. You can at least try to be a faker. (laughs) And eventually it might stick and you might come into the light. You never know. (laughs) There you go. So it's just a little bit of uh, observation, really, that's just happened in the last week as a result of reading that book. So it does stick, is what I'm trying to say. These personal development activities, they do stick with us. But anyway, that's it. that's it for me for this week. I just want to draw a line under it and, and close off for now. You know you can find the show notes over at the website, thepropertyvoice.net. And if you want to talk about anything from today's show, or just talk about property investing more generally, you know you can always email me, podcast at thepropertyvoice.net, and I'd be more than happy to hear from you. And by the way, if you fancy giving a bit more, an iTunes review would be most greatly, yeah, greatly appreciated. That would be fantastic. Thank you. But once again, all I want to say is thank you very much for listening again this time. And until next time on the Property Voice podcast, it's ciao, ciao. Thank you for listening today. Now head over to thepropertyvoice.net for more inspirational content and get updates through our mailing list. Join us next time on the Property Voice podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to rate us on iTunes.